0: Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm here in Vancouver, Washington, right across the river from Portland, Oregon, with my friend Justin Bukoski. Justin, how are you? I'm great, Jeff. Thanks. You know, um, a couple months ago, three months ago, I pulled my uh, moving van right into your driveway here. I was on the road, and I invited myself over to your house to watch the race, and I pretty much did the same thing again today. You were nice enough to, like, kind of float the offer out there but I kind of invited myself over
1: yeah you know it's an open invitation anytime I get a chance to watch NASCAR with uh, some friends and other people that appreciate it I'm always open for it so
0: well I appreciate that and I appreciate the the guacamole that you made today that was very tasty and you know I really didn't know when even when I woke up this morning if I was going to even come over here because I was like well you know it looks like the tropical storm Nate or whatever is on its way to Charlotte they might not race till Wednesday And they got the entire race in. So that was pretty amazing. Um, It's also amazing that it's right now uh, only two o'clock as we record this well after the race on the West Coast. I mean, we have like the whole day left. I, I personally like these earlier start times. What's what's your take?
1: yeah so you know what in the fall on a day like today I do not mind the early start um, because you know there's a football game on so I can go and see the Seahawks play um, now that I'm and have adopted the Pacific Northwest during the summer I don't like the early time I like to have a couple of beers during the race you know I'm still I guess a North Carolina boy at heart and uh, 10 a.m is is even a little early for me but I uh, I did break my rule and I think i cracked one at about eleven thirty this morning so you know anyways but yeah I, I don't mind it i mean it is nice that we got the rest of the day and we got gorgeous weather here right now which we won't have for much longer so i'm not mad at it right now
0: all right fair enough so um let's talk about the race we watched you know um for a while there i was more interested in the guacamole i guess than the stuff that was going on because it was just like I don't know, uh, you know, you did have some, uh, some interesting elements going on. Kyle Busch's struggles, um, early in the race and, and he had, he had a really bad day, but for the most part, especially really at the start of stage three for a while, I thought, um, it was just kind of dragging and then it really, really picked up at the end of the race. You had some, um, exciting restarts. Kyle Busch hits the wall again, there's debris they have to call it. It looks like, Oh no, Truex might not win. Um, they have another problem. Larson gets tagged by Kurt Busch. Is Larson going to make it to the end? And then, uh, you have another restart ultimately Truex wins. So if you looked at it and just said mile and a half race Truex wins, you would say, well, that wasn't very interesting, but it really did kind of get exciting. And I was feeling butterflies. I was, I was nervous that something big was going to happen.
1: Yeah. I think, um, two, two things I took away. Um, one is I don't even stage racing can't save Charlotte as a, as an oval in terms of excitement. I mean, that was two hours of, um, uh, mediocre, uh, entertainment. And then at the end, it really picked up and really was interesting and entertaining. Uh, you know, NASCAR's trying really hard, uh, by, you know, implementing stage racing and a bunch of other stuff. But man, I sh- you know we got to figure something out, whether it's the cars or the technical specifications or whatever it is, so that we don't have to wait two hours to get some exciting entertainment. You know, I, I was looking at my Twitter feed and I'm seeing people that were saying I just took a two-hour nap and, you know, I I got up and still didn't miss anything. Uh, you know, I-, I saw people in the NASCAR industry saying. I got a chance to watch the Carolina Panthers football game, and now I get to look at the last part of the the race. I don't – is that what we want as a sport? I mean, don't we want people to, you know – I mean, I get that it can't be nonstop excitement from the drop of the green flag, but there has to be something more compelling uh, on these mile-and-a-halves. Or my preference, let's get rid of some of these mile-and-a-halves. And I understand that's a lot of money but it's better than the sport going away. We need more short tracks or road courses or whatever it is, but it's two hours of boredom and then 30 minutes of fantastic racing. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I got to agree with you. Look, I mean, I I think I'm traveling to a race of some kind on of uh, like 13 out of the last 14 weeks of the season or something like that, and the one weekend that I'm not traveling was this weekend at Charlotte because I figured – You know, what usually happens at Charlotte? You just, it's just not that great of a race, that oval there. Now I will say that next year for the playoff race, I will almost be sure to go to Charlotte because they're getting, it's not going to be on the oval. It's going to be on the roval. And I don't know if that will be a, a weird race or not, or how it will look, but it'll certainly be more interesting overall from start to finish than this one was, or this one typically is. So yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, 500 miles race at any mile and a half track these days is too much, and especially at Charlotte where the track still hasn't worn out enough. I mean, tires did make a difference. You were watching lap times a lot today. You know, two seconds a lap, Or uh, yeah, I think for between the, the older tires and, and the guys on newer tires. So th- they do make a difference, but it's not like Darlington or Atlanta where you're really being able to, to see it. Um, maybe on a restart if, if that you if play that strategy, but you weren't seeing guys, um, you know, move up through the field that way, you know, a short pit and stuff like that as much as I thought. Maybe it's because there was uh, enough cautions where you couldn't really do that. I don't think we saw that many green flag pit stops today come to think of it.
1: One? Did we have one green, stop, green flag stop? I think is all I, I remember. We might have had more. I mean, um, but I think it was just one. Yeah. <sighs> Look, first off, get rid of 500 mile races. That's got to stop. I mean, there's just no reason. I mean, um, I get that, you know, back in the day, the manufacturers wanted to show their durability and toughness and how they could go 500 miles, but that's when a car lasted four or five years. And, you know, by the time it hit a hundred thousand miles, you know, it was, it was a piece of junk. That's not how cars are these days. It's not how these cars are. The durability's not an issue. Let's run them at 400 miles. That's still plenty of racing Um, and, um, you know, I don't think that's the ultimate solution, but it just, you know, mile and a half track, 500 miles, that doesn't sound like a recipe for success and good entertainment. So,
0: yeah. And especially, um, what, what typically seems to happen is it's often, not always, but often the same guys winning on the mile and a half tracks. And that's certainly been the case this year with Martin Truex jr. He's won six races this year. He's been dominant everywhere. Let's, let's be honest, but he's won six times. And five of his six wins have been on mile-and-a-half tracks. I don't think anybody else has won more than one mile-and-a-half track race this year. So, you know, fans, when they look at a race like this, they're like, well, it's probably going to be Truex. Now, this weekend he had a little bit more drama because he didn't qualify very well. Uh, they didn't practice because of the rain, so it, you, did, you didn't really know what he had. How scary is that? But how scary is that, Right. So well, they just throw in their, their setup and they're still good. Right. Yeah. Right. No practice
1: didn't qualify. Well, still yeah, win the race. Okay. I didn't win all three stages this time. I mean, that's the difference, right? If I practice and qualify, I get to win all three stages. If not, I'll just win the race. So, um, yeah, look, we, everybody in NASCAR has been talking about the mile and a half for a while. It's no secret. Um, So I don't want to make this too negative because what I'll tell you is NASCAR has a good product on the short tracks. What uh, the challenge I think is, is, you know, good product on the short track, good product uh, in the restrictor plate, tremendous product on road courses. um, But, you know, there's clearly an issue with the mile and a half tracks, uh, barring some kind of, you know, late race accident or late race drama or some kind of manufactured debris caution um, there's an issue there. And, in, and if NASCAR is going to not just grow, just maintain, it's going to have to do something about that.
0: Yeah. And there's more mile and a half tracks coming up this year. You have Kansas in two weeks after Talladega, that's the cutoff race. And then it's, uh, Texas, um, in the next round, uh, in the middle of the next round, cause it's Martinsville, Texas, Phoenix, and then Homestead, obviously a mile and a half track to, decide at all. So we'll see if Martin Truex Jr. can continue that. Um one guy that challenged him today was Kyle Larson. I mean it really it was an impressive performance from I would say Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick. Two cars who, you know, you wouldn't think are typically as good as the Toyotas throughout the year. You know, Larson's had his moments, certainly, but overall he hasn't been as strong as Truex and Kyle Bush. Um, you know, without pit road miscues today, Larson I think could have been up there. And then he gets tagged late while he was running, I think, top five, maybe fifth by Kurt Busch um, on the second to last restart. So Larson, I mean, do you feel like he's, uh, you know, on the right track? Is, is he right there? And what do you think about Harvick's chances as well? Um, Well, I'll talk about Harvick first. I mean, he's been there,
1: done that. And so I don't think you can count him out. I don't think he's got the best car. He's got the fourth or fifth best car in the field right now. Uh, I do think Larson has the best car actually overall yeah right now um based on mile and a half performance i know he didn't win but i watched lap times all day like you said and um he was the best car i mean if you looked at consistency in terms i mean the problem is is that he had to pass you know he probably had the most passes of anybody in the field today he started something like 30th and had to pass the field at a pit or you know he he started up front but he, he had the pit road issue and had to you know, start, uh, go back to 30th and pass the whole field. Then he had, you know, um, another issue and had to come back through the field. Uh, I, I mean, so uh, I think the other thing to look at, you know, we talk about Toyota's a mile and a half. We, here we are, what, uh, midway through the third stage and there was one Toyota in the top 12. I mean, it was four Chevys, four, um, four Fords, was more than four Chevys, I mean, I five or six Chevys and four Fords. So, you know, they're the, the only Toyota at that point in time that was in the top 10 was Martin Truex. And I haven't looked to see how it all finished out, but I think maybe some of these Chevy teams have caught up a little bit on the mile and a halfs. They haven't caught up with the 78, but they probably caught up with
0: Gibbs. Um, yeah, no. I, and, and to your point, I mean, at one point you had Johnson, Elliott. McMurray, Larson, and even Austin Dillon up there, um, all in the top 10. And actually, I think in the top eight at one point. Top six, even, uh, I think. It was Harvick,
1: Harvick, uh, it was Truex, Harvick, and then four Chevys.
0: Yeah, so I mean, and that's not something that we saw at a typical race uh, up until the playoffs. So maybe they have made some gains. Uh, One person who... Um, got a little bit of a benefit in the end, probably uh, was Jimmy Johnson. I think he ends up finishing fifth. And now, just to let you guys know, we haven't uh, heard the explanation from NASCAR yet because we immediately went upstairs at Justin's house to record the podcast. But if there is an explanation from NASCAR, I'd like to hear it because Johnson certainly seemed like he deserved a penalty um, late on a pit stop. He clearly pitted outside the box. He started to pull away and the tire changer went to secure more lug nuts. It appeared and there was no penalty and it was under caution. So it's not like NASCAR. And, and, and they even called it on the broadcast and said, NASCAR needs to look at this. I looked up the rule and it seemed pretty clear that that should have been a penalty. I don't know what next NASCAR's explanation will be. I also don't know what you could do to, to penalize them now, but NASCAR just really can't be missing calls like that in crucial moments because as you noted, if he had been, I think it, it, it could have been a one lap penalty, but even if it had been tail tail end of the uh, the lead lap, you know, that's 24th place. And he was, he came out 15th and ultimately finished fifth. Yeah. So no secret, I'm
1: a Hendrix Motorsports fan, um, but I think that they got that one wrong. I did see some people saying that, you know, there was no definitive evidence. They didn't see anybody make any changes but come on, he stopped. He he didn't leave pit road for a reason. He backed up for a reason, and the only action taken by the pit crew after he backed up was to make a move at that front left tire. So, they missed it. Um, I don't know that it made a difference at the end of the day in the points, though. Uh, I looked.
0: At- I would ten ten positions, possibly ten points.
1: Yeah, but I also say this. So so, w- where did he finish? Tenth? Uh, tenth or? I think he finished fifth. Yeah. Okay. So he went from he's after without taking the penalty because of the slow stop. He was fifteenth, where he could have been twenty fourth, and so within two laps he was already ninth. After that, okay. So the so he might not have been ninth after two laps, but I guarantee you would have been about twelfth. I was watching all those lap times in that part of the field because Dale was running down in there, and I follow his stuff really closely. So that's why I say at the end of the day, I don't think it. As many laps were left after that, I think he probably would have finished about in that area, maybe one or two positions further back. So I agree with you that NASCAR has to be consistent and make those calls, but also at the end of the day, I don't know that it really affected the the whole playoff situation very much.
0: Well, I I have to disagree in the fact that just every point matters. You know, NASCAR, NASCAR emphasizes... Every point matters. Every position matters and all that stuff. So you can't get something like that wrong. Yeah. I mean, looking at the points now, for instance, right, uh, from what NBC showed at the end, um, Jimmy Johnson is eight points up uh, over the cutoff line right now. So let's say, you know, he would have been only four or five. I mean, who knows? Maybe that doesn't make a difference ultimately. But I just, you know, NASCAR can't get that kind of stuff wrong. Um I mean, look—you had Kyle Busch running around out there all day long
1: in what what I consider to be an unsafe situation, right? The car's broken. Um, you know, I was—you heard me ranting and raving about. They need to get the guy off the track because it's just there's, you know, no gain. But your point back to me was, well, one point is super important. So I take your point. Um, I, again, I don't know that it would have made any difference, but I understand what you're saying in that every point matters. I mean. You know Kyle Busch uh, stuck it out and you know affected his health over trying to get one or two points. So yeah, they are important, no question.
0: It's just that under this system with the elimination rounds, even when you have playoff points, it's just so emphasized uh, how much it matters. And, and let's just take a look real quick at the playoff picture. So um, going into Talladega with two races left in this round, you have Kyle Busch. He's twelve points up over the cutoff. As we said, Johnson is plus eight. Jamie McMurray is, I believe, plus one. Kenseth is the first one out. He's minus one. Keselowski and Blaney are both five out. And then Stenhouse, who looked like he was going to have a great day for a while, uh, is 10 points out. He got a late speeding penalty, really ruined his day. And now he probably goes to Talladega, probably having to win. And he's won the last two restrictor plate races, so it's possible. But he probably is in a must-win situation, uh, wouldn't you say? I would, but you know the thing
1: is, is he was for most of the day he was the best Ford, like he was the highest running Ford for most of the day. Well, except Harvick. Yeah, oh, yeah, except for Harvick. But I, you know, I guess you know what I mean is in terms of, you know, you got Kozlowski, you've got Logano, uh, you got Boyer, you got a lot of these other big name Ford cars, and he was running way out in front of them. It's it's hard to. uh you know, it it's hard to compare where Harvick is with the rest of the Fords right now because they're so far ahead. But um yeah, no, I, I think he does have to win. Um I don't think that's any surprise. I don't I think coming into the the playoffs, we knew that he was probably gonna have to win there if he made it there. Um, he could have helped himself a lot today if he had just kept his mental focus. Uh, and I think He had that penalty and then he compounded it by getting upset with himself afterwards because he still came back out in a reasonable position and just fell.
0: So let's talk about uh, whether people think this is a good race when I do the was it a good race poll. Um, I feel like it was a better than typical Charlotte race because there was a lot that happened at the end. Uh, You know, I also feel like it was better than a typical 500 mile, mile and a half race. So, you know, personally, I feel like people are going to say about, you know, on the other hand, a Toyota still did win. Shurex still did win. So people are going to downgrade it for that. I'm going to say 60, 62%, 62% Justin, I think are going to say that it was a good race. What's your, what's your estimation?
1: Well, you know, they say first impressions are lasting impressions, but in this case, fortunately for everybody, I don't think that's the case. Uh, the first impression of that race is it was a real snoozer, but the lasting impression, the, you know, that I take away from it is yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it ended up being a good race. So, um, I think your number might actually be a little low, but we'll see. But for the most of the race, it was a bad race. So I I could see that going either way.
0: Well, what number would you put on it? I'm going to go with like 68%.
1: Oh,
0: wow. Okay. All right. Fairly high. Well, uh, speaking of lasting impressions, Justin, I think that, um, anybody, that wants to get a lasting impression for their career on their resume would be somebody that would want to look into Sam tech. Did you like this transition? Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was, I was trying to feel like how, how I could transition into that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, um, it's pretty interesting as you talked about, so you can look around, we're in my office, which also, um, uh, daylights as a little bit of a workshop. And, I make some things by hand and I, I do a lot of the pattern making on computer-aided design software. And I know that one of the things that Samtex prides itself on is the ability to teach people how to do a lot of those things. And, you know, um, I, I, that's that's the high-tech business that we live in these days, right? We're not manufacturing goods like we used to, and, but we are heavily into design and And, you know, uh, custom fabrication and things like that. And it's very lucrative. So I'm a big fan of what they do. I'm a big fan of those kind of programs in general. And I think that there's a lot of folks out there that are, you know, look at the only successful path for me is to go to some four-year university. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that come out of four-year universities with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and no job. So going and getting career skills and, and, you know, giving yourself something that's relevant and desperately needed in the industry right now, there's a shortage of those, um, uh, of workers that can do that stuff. So I'm I'm a huge fan of what they do.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for, um, Giving the plug there because um, my post-race podcast sponsor, SamTech, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology down in Houston. When Sarah and I went for a tour there, they actually have a whole CAD classroom, and they were showing us how the students are designing the stuff on the computers, and it was pretty fascinating because I didn't really realize. I mean, you have to tell the computer what to do. You can't just say um, make this. You can't just like draw something and say make this. You have to tell it, okay, this is how you make this. That's right. And I always thought that you would just... I always thought, okay, if you're going to make a part, that you would just design the part and the computer would just make it. But you have to tell it, okay, move up this way. And then you you tell the machine how to do it. So that was pretty interesting. And if you are somebody that would like to learn more about that, make sure to check out samtech.edu. So, um, Justin, next week, I'll be off to Talladega, then Austin F1 race, and then all NASCAR for the, next, for the rest of the season. And so hopefully... I'll have some more good post-race podcasts, but I won't be with you, uh, for the rest of the season. So, um, what's, what's a good post-race podcast hashtag that we should do for this one where we can go out, um, on a good note?
1: Well, you know what, in my mind, the story of the day is that we actually got the, the race in. So, um, how about,
0: hi mom, we made it. (laughs) I like that because, you know, so many people are giving me crap on Twitter. They thought I was jinxing the race by saying that NASCAR's had good weather this year and gotten lucky. Well, guess what? They got lucky again. They did get the entire race in plus overtime when a tropical storm seemed to be in the forecast. So hashtag hi, mom. We made it seems like an appropriate way to go. So that's a good one. Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Always my pleasure to have you, Jeff. And uh, for the rest of you, I'll talk to you this week on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.